Hi, Ralph Ainsley Bullion, and this is the weekly wrap on this day, the 16th of September 2016. In Australian dollars, gold is sitting at 17.50 and silver at $25.29, with the Aussie dollar at 75.2. So this week saw gold virtually unchanged thanks to a lower Aussie dollar and silver down despite it, but in contrast to the ASX being down 2.7% over the week. Friday night saw big drops across everything except the US dollar as the market started to think a US rate rise may actually happen in September and, more critically, that maybe global central banks were starting to see that they had gone too far with monetary stimulus and that maybe they agreed at the G20 to move to fiscal stimulus instead. This on-again, off-again theme continued through the week and the prices up and down along with it. Nothing was spared, though gold was probably the least affected, especially in Aussie dollars, as the US dollar tore away. There was no shortage of irony that some of the members of the Fed talked up rate rises due to the better economy on the same day we saw wholesale sales dropped by 0.4% in July when a positive 0.2% print was expected, its biggest drop since January and its 19th consecutive month of year-on-year declines. Behind the headline it was worse as inventories to sales ratio was back up to a recession-like 1.34 times. Last night, shares surged again on the back of a host of awful economic data released. We saw US retail sales post a huge miss coming in at minus 0.3% when 0.1% was expected. Core sales were minus 0.1% when plus 0.3% was expected. And the year-on-year was just 1.9%, the worst in six months. This was reinforced with rising business inventories and falling business sales, with the ratio in its 19th straight month in the red. PPI printed a zero when 0.1 was expected. US industrial production fell 0.4%, again the biggest drop in six months, and the year-on-year drop of 1.1% is the 12th straight month of declines, the longest string of declines outside a recession in a century. The New York Empire State Manufacturing Survey printed a minus 1.99, and again, tellingly, new orders fell 7.45 when a rise of 1 was expected. Together with big drops in employment and hours worked, GDP estimates were slashed by most economists in its wake. So all this bad news, of course, saw shares rally, up 1%, as a rate rise now seems even more unlikely. If you want another reminder of why the US needs interest rates low, this week we saw their August deficit figure come in at $107 billion. Yep, that is one month. Year to date, they're up 17% on last year at $621 billion so far. This from a country with $19.5 trillion in government debt before they include the $103 trillion of very real but unfunded liabilities. So it won't be just investors nervously waiting next week's Fed meeting, the US Treasury itself would be nervous with that interest bill. Speaking of nervous investors, a Bank of America survey showed investors' cash holdings are now at their highest level for 15 years. What many of those investors wouldn't appreciate is that with that cash in the bank, they are an unsecured creditor to that bank. And it's not just the Fed meeting on the 21st of September everyone is nervously watching. The Bank of Japan meet at the same time and the market is torn as to whether they will ease or take the Fed's lead and actually talk up tightening. Markets reacted on Tuesday night on an article from the Nikkei suggesting the Bank of Japan is actually likely to further ease into negative territory, which pulled Tuesday night's route up short. Indeed, the week saw a number of what might be called trial balloons put to the market, including officials saying anything from easing across all three tools of bond buying, high risk asset buying like shares, and plunging rates further into negative territory, with one suggesting a doubling to minus 0.2% was on the cards. 
Whatever the outcome, the combination of both these major central bank meetings next week certainly sets the stage for another very volatile old week. As we report today, this week saw record trading in the VIX or volatility cocktail. Last night, the Bank of England met, keeping their 0.25% rate unchanged, though hinting this may be cut more, and continued with their £445 billion QE program, including £10 billion of that in corporate bond purchases. The Chinese keep getting mentioned by these guys as a key global risk, and they are certainly not mucking around with protecting themselves, with another 144.4 tonne of gold consumed in the month of August. We are now only two weeks from the yuan being included in the IMF's SDR currency basket, and some big names are speculating that could be a game changer going forward, especially with the implications for gold. It certainly hasn't seen them ease up on monetary stimulus after they injected another 1 trillion yuan or $200 billion of new credit into the market in August alone. There were a number of big stories at home this week too. It started over the weekend when the Fin Review conducted the last interview with Glenn Stevens, our now ex-chief of the RBA. He delivered a rebuke to our nation, saying that 25 years of economic growth have bred complacency over what it takes to fix the budget and prepare for the next uh, financial crisis. If you were worried about Aussie property bubble bursting, you may have seen this week the US-based think tank International Strategic Studies Association warning that we have just six weeks before it collapses due to the effects of restrictions on Chinese investment in Australian real estate. It would certainly have caught APRA's eye as they grapple with how to deal with what is coming when our banks are so incredibly exposed. As I mentioned earlier, these are the same banks you are an unsecured creditor for with any cash deposit. Yesterday we saw the Aussie dollar drop on disappointing employment figures where 3,900 jobs were lost when 15,000 new ones were expected. But thanks to a drop in the participation rate, the unemployment rate actually dropped. It was a week we saw the Aussie 10-year bond jump over 2% mark off its all-time record low of 1.8% last month as bonds around the world fell. It also marked the introduction, for the first time, of a 30-year Aussie bond, making us one of the last developed countries to do so. It will no doubt attract plenty of interest as we already hold the mantle of the highest yielding sovereign bond in the developed world, and hence our stubbornly high dollar. So that, dear listener, is more paper debt to pay for our living beyond our means. Remember that strong GDP print we had last week would have, had, would have been negative without such debt-funded government spending. Glenn Stevens described that as our deluded view that it's just the natural state of affairs, that we don't need to do anything to achieve it. He knows there's no such thing as a free lunch. He knows this epic credit cycle will soon end. We'll catch you next week and remember, balance your wealth in an unbalanced world.